1: So, Chetty is a portfolio manager at 91 in Cape Town. We finished part one of his podcast based on his presentation, and we spoke about, or rather he spoke about, the risks inherent in the world at the moment. Not negative, but certainly we have to be mindful of the risks that he raised. What we're going to do now is talk about his positioning, his strategies positioning, and outlook as well. So, we've got asset allocation to cover, capital allocation, top 10 foreign holdings, outlook for the RAND, real yields in South Africa... And many, many more things, local equities, let's not forget them. So, Samesh, where do we
0: start now? Maybe we start with asset allocation in your strategies. Perfect. The way we're thinking about portfolio construction, it's, it's always on a bottom-up basis. So we find the best investments first, and we include them in the portfolio to the extent that they increase the risk-adjusted returns. And we are a little bit different to our competitors right now. Most people are looking at South Africa. They're saying South African equities are extremely cheap. They're looking at those P.E. ratios that I I mentioned earlier. That can be very misleading. Uh, And off the back of that and off the back of the assumption that everything is going to be normal relative to the last 10 years or so, um, most investors seek out these South African equities. We've gone the other way. And we're actually finding far better opportunity in global equities. And as a result of that, we put those in the portfolio first. So the majority of portfolio exposure or the largest portfolio exposure, both in Opportunity Fund and Cautious Managed, is to high-quality global equities, really blue-chip businesses. And and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later. But the issue here for us is that these businesses that we're buying – are businesses that aren't that economically sensitive. So if you think about a South African investor, those resources, those banks and those insurers that make up so much of our market, you are hostage to a lot of cyclicality, or economic sensitivity. So we like businesses where almost irrespective of the environment you find yourself in can continue growing their revenues, especially if those businesses have pricing power, which excites us most. Now, it may sound odd to suggest that we like these businesses in an environment where global equities appear very expensive. But remember, we aren't investing in the fangs in this portfolio. We, we don't hold any of the fangs. If you extend the definition of the fangs a little bit to include Microsoft, Microsoft is in the portfolio. But on the whole, we believe that we have stocks where if inflation becomes a problem or if interest rates were to go up, these are stocks that would actually still outperform the market. Now, we had somewhat of a horrid time at the start of this year when there was so much focus on cyclicality and deep value stocks. And so we did lag. Quality stocks were out of favor. But given the volatility that started to creep back into the market, you know, these stocks are doing very well for us again. And also very importantly, when we think about this asset allocation, we're not allocating For the next month or six months or even the next year. When we think about asset allocation, we're thinking about asset allocation on at least a five-year view. And so in keeping with that, keeping with the balance we seek and keeping with that offsetting of risks within the portfolio, the second asset class that excites us a lot, especially given that global equities are our preferred asset class, are South African government bonds. And it sounds bizarre when you talk about it, because everyone thinks the South African government is in a lot of trouble, they're going to default at some point in the future. But bonds at current deals are pricing in all of those risks. And we don't believe that the market is appropriately taking into consideration the levers that the South African government has at their disposal. Now, you know, they're not, they're not levers that might be um, very exciting to everyone. Capital controls, for example, or foreign exchange controls won't make people very happy. But ultimately, you know, that would still be good for the bond market even though it may not be good for the individual so that's our second highest allocation within the portfolios and on that note just
1: as we record this i'm looking at the south african 10-year bond yield and it is on my rudimentary screen 8.96%. 8.96%. I you look at the US 10-year bond yield, it is 1.22%. And the RAND, okay, it's had a little bit of a wobble, but it's been relatively stable. And if you can manage your currency risk, if you're a foreign investor, then, of course, South African bonds do make a lot of sense.
0: Correct. And South African bonds, to a foreign investor, you can manage that currency risk very easily because there's a very liquid market in hedging out the RAND. And in fact, what's, what's interesting is if you buy um, insurance against the South African government, you hedge out the South African RAND, and then you compare the return you're left with relative to U.S. bonds, um, you're, you're getting about 1.3% from U.S. bonds right now, and you can get close to 2.5% from South African bonds once you've hedged out the currency and you've hedged out the risk of default. So uh, it makes a lot of sense for a foreign investor. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we've been losing um, foreign investors in this country. I guess foreign investors are just voting with their feet. Let's have a look at your top
1: 10 foreign equity holdings now and just pick one that is typical of
0: the top 10, if you would. I guess a typical stock in the top 10 historically would have been a consumer staple business. Um, You know, so we're holding Nestle, we're holding Johnson & Johnson, we're holding Estee Lauder. And and it's what I was referring to earlier, the sort of businesses where, you know, irrespective of the environment, you would expect consumers to continually purchase their products. You know, so, I mean, Lindsay, how bad do things have to get before you decide you're not going to buy a two-finger Kit Kat to reward yourself (laughs) or you're only going to brush your teeth once a day because of economic hardship? So it's very difficult to get there. And so we, we like these companies that produce these staple items. But you'll see that that sits at the lower end of the portfolio right now. Because while those companies are consistent growers, you can find higher levels of growth elsewhere. So we do appreciate the evolution that has occurred in economies today. Tech is very much front and center for us. But what we worry about are those disruptive businesses that are at the forefront. Because disruptive businesses can themselves be disrupted. So you think about a business like Facebook, Facebook disrupted MySpace, Facebook itself would have been disrupted by Instagram had they not bought it with increasing regulatory scrutiny. I don't know if Facebook will ever be able to buy the next competitor, but you already have bike dance competing with Instagram. So you've got to think hard about whether these businesses have deep moats or not. So what we get very excited about are the businesses a level removed from that coalface. face. So when you think about a business like Visa, for example, payments or electronic payments are clearly the future. But uh, about 50% of the world's transactions still occur via either uh, check or cash. It's 25% in cash and 25% via uh, via checks, and that's predominantly in the U.S., the use of checks. But, but Visa clips a small percentage of every single transaction that goes through its credit card network. Now, people think about a business like Visa, they're, they're, they're not necessarily thinking about it as new world technology. But Visa's not a credit card company. It's not a bank. This is a clearinghouse, and it facilitates payments between individuals or between businesses. Ultimately, you know, it clears those payments. And irrespective of who you think is going to win at the cold face, whether it's Apple Pay, whether it's Alipay, whether it's, um, it's, it's PayPal, when you make use of these e-wallets – you have to insert your credit card details into those e-wallets because yeah. the banks don't have the ability to do this. And so we get very excited about a business like Visa where they have 60% market share and they still have a lot of room to grow, given that you still have those 50% of transactions that are happening in cash or checks. So, you know, again, you come back to this concept of they're just clipping a very small fee, but they're providing a vital um, – a vital service within society. And I appreciate there's a greater degree of cyclicality in Visa than the likes of an Nestle because, of course, purchases go down in bad times and purchases go up in good times. But we're willing to tolerate a little bit of that cyclicality because we've got the balance in the portfolio from the likes of, of a Nestle.
1: Very good. So the companies you just mentioned typify the principles that you outlined in part one of this two-part podcast series. Now let's go to okay. South African Stocks. And again, give us something that typifies what you look for in South Africa. And it's, it's obviously quite difficult these days because of the lack of GDP growth in South Africa. But you've got to therefore you've got to be earning your monthly envelope, Samesh by being an assiduous stock picker.
0: <laughs> yeah, SA, SA is very, very difficult right now. And, and um, South African investors are lucky because for whatever reason, we have a number of global businesses that are listed on our exchange, either because you've had exceptional management teams who've, who've built incredible businesses. You know, the likes of a South African brewery that was ultimately bought out by Anheuser or the likes of a Mont or, or even Naspas, who are the four sites to purchase Tencent Cent. So when we look at the exchange, we do have the option of purchasing those businesses that have growth vectors outside of South Africa. But, of course, I would be remiss in not mentioning that there are some excellent businesses that are purely South African. So if you look at the portfolio – and so let's, let's, for the purpose of this conversation, ignore the global businesses listed locally because we've been banging our fist on the drum or banging off us on the table, sorry, on those businesses for a while. Yes. But the purely domestic businesses where we can get very excited, you know, we, we don't hold any retail currently. We're worried about valuations. But the retailer we can get excited about is Clix. You know, Clix is this exceptional business that even when growth in South Africa looks somewhat shaky is um, consolidating the pharmacy market, because it's a very fragmented market, you know, between Clix and Deskem, I think they've got about 35 to 40 percent market share, Uh, and Clix is continuing to grow this, but Clix is very cash generative. It's got the certainty of top line growth, and of course, with an exceptional management team who has allocated capital astutely, it's generating one of the highest returns on invested capital in the South African landscape. The other business we get excited about, um, it doesn't have the growth potential in the current environment of clicks, is AVI, again, an exceptional management team. Um, Top line growth, even though it's a consumer staple business, has been lacking given the lack of growth in South Africa. But in its management team, you found a management team not only who allocates capital well, but who's been able to take costs out of its business. So even though top line has been growing at maybe five or six percent recently, it's been able to remove those costs and still grow earnings at a reasonable clip. On the financial services side, um, Suntum has been an exceptional business for years. More recently, it's taken some pain because you have seen the concerns around business interruption claims off the back of COVID. And of course, the more recent claims, which they're not liable for, given the writing we saw in Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal in July. But, but Suntum has been a consistent dividend payer with the exception of last year when it's had to withhold cash for concerns around COVID claims. And you know, longer term, we're, we're still very excited about it. Of course, you know, I mentioned that it is South Africa, so you've got to participate in the resource um, uh, area and in the banking area. On the banking side, uh, First Rand and Capitec, two exceptional businesses. And on the resources side, you know, again, now we're moving a little bit offshore. Billiton, which doesn't have any South African operations, and, of course, Mondi, which is only 20% local. But, you know, Mondi definitely benefiting from the tailwinds you see in terms of packaging because what COVID has done, COVID has accelerated the um uh, it's accelerated online retail and you think about all the online shopping you're doing right now and the demand for packaging the demand for boxes is higher than ever so those are the businesses we're typically excited about in south africa right now there are a lot of businesses we're watching a lot of quality businesses out there that we can't get behind just yet because of valuations mr price being one of them we would love to own mr price at lower prices it's another exceptional management team but um It just feels a little bit expensive to us right now, given the environment.
1: Let's wrap this up now. And I'm going to read your investment summary from your presentation. Number one, capital preservation is paramount. And that uh, reminds me of one of the products from one of the companies that you're invested in. And I think the slogan was, first, do no harm. And that's exactly what you mean by capital preservation is paramount. Number two, global equities still provide the best opportunity for growth. Bonds are the best local opportunity on an expected risk-adjusted, return basis. SA equities are cheaper, but stock selection remains key, which you've just outlined beautifully. SA cash likely to underperform other assets over the next 12 months. And finally, in a world of uncertain growth, the best security is in quality companies, there's that word again, quality, with high barriers to entry and pricing power. Sames so Chetty, thanks so much for your extended time. Sumes so Chetty is a portfolio manager at 91 in Cape Town.